You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Our reading this afternoon comes from the Gospel according to John chapter 6. This is in connection with the teaching from the Word of God about Lord's Supper. And it is in John 6 that our Lord Jesus Christ teaches about what it means to eat his body and drink his blood. John chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died. But he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Our text this afternoon is the word of God as it's summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Days 28 and 29 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Here we begin the section in the Catechism that explains what the word of God teaches about the Lord's Supper. How does the Lord's Supper signify and seal to you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all his gifts? In this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup in remembrance of him. With this command, he gave these promises. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup given to me, so surely was his blood offered for me and his blood His body offered for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. Second, as surely as I receive from the hand of the minister and taste with my mouth the bread and the cup of the Lord as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely does he himself nourish and refresh my soul to everlasting life with his crucified body and shed blood. What does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink his shed blood? First, to accept with a believing heart all the suffering and the death of Christ and so receive forgiveness of sins and life eternal. Second, to be united more and more to his sacred body through the Holy Spirit who lives both in Christ and in us. Therefore, although Christ is in heaven and we are on earth, yet we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones. And we forever live and are governed by one spirit as the members of our body are by one soul. Where has Christ promised that he will nourish and refresh believers with his body and blood as surely as they eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup? In the institution of the Lord's Supper. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This promise is repeated by Paul where he says, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. Are then the bread and the wine changed into the real body and blood of Christ? No. Just as the water of baptism is not changed into the blood of Christ and is not the washing away of sins itself, but is simply God's sign and pledge, so also the bread in the Lord's Supper does not become the body of Christ itself, although it is called Christ's body in keeping with the nature and usage of sacraments. Why then does Christ call the bread his body and the cup his blood or the new covenant in his blood? And why does Paul speak about a participation in the body and blood of Christ? Christ speaks this way for good reason. 
He wants to teach us by his supper that as bread and wine sustain us in this temporal life, so his crucified body and shed blood are true food and drink for our souls to eternal life. But even more important, he wants to assure us by this visible sign and pledge, first, that through the working of the Holy Spirit, we share in his true body and blood as surely as we receive with our mouth these holy signs in remembrance of him, and second, that all his suffering and obedience are as certainly ours as if we personally had suffered and paid for our sins. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this afternoon we consider food, bread and wine, the food of the Lord's Supper and what that means for us. We know that a heightened awareness, a deeper understanding of of what food is for our and what it does for our bodies is a good thing for our health, for our life. If you have no idea what nutrition is and what is happening when food enters your body and what the difference is between one type of food and another type of food, you will be prone, if simply by ignorance, to eat a health, an unhealthy diet. And in the time, place that we live in, it's quite likely that if you don't understand nutrition, you will be even more prone to an unhealthy diet, neglecting food which is good for you and overeating the stuff which isn't all that good for you but which tastes quite a bit better. The same principle, the principle of knowing what you are partaking of, what you are eating, holds true with respect to Lord's Supper, and that has our attention this afternoon. We need to know what it is, what the bread and the wine that we take in means to us, what it means to our faith, what it means to our life in Jesus Christ. Knowing this feeds our believing it, and believing it feeds our very life in Christ. And so we consider what it means to partake of the Lord's Supper, to eat the bread and the wine, we realize that it is to feed on Christ. To feed on Christ, believing in Him and uniting with Him. In the institution of the Supper, as we have recounted for us in Lord's Day 28, it's in 1 Corinthians 11, it's in Matthew and Luke as well, the Lord Jesus Christ says to His disciples, Take and eat. This is my body, take and eat. This is my blood, take, drink from it, all of you. That Last Supper, you'll recall, was instituted on the occasion of Jesus' last Passover with his disciples. During the course of the meal, he he held up that bread and he held up that cup with wine in it. And he said to them, take this and eat it. Take this and drink it. This is my body. This is my blood. And so the the bare point, the simple point is very clear. We are to feed on the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. So that much is clear. The necessity of eating and drinking, the necessity that it be the body and blood of Jesus Christ. But what exactly that means, that has been a huge source of debate within the church. That that controversy 
shows up here in Lord's Day 29. And the first question, are the bread and wine changed into the real body and blood of Christ? It's what you might be prone to think or understand when Jesus says, this is my body, eat it. And that doctrine, that, that became doctrine in the church. It was known as transubstantiation, a big word, or physical presence. That, that Jesus Christ was present in the body, in the blood, in the elements of the Lord's Supper. That's what the Roman Catholic Church has taught about the Lord's Supper, about Mass. And that is what they continue to teach about the Mass today. They claim that as a, at a certain moment in the liturgy of the Mass, after the priest has spoken these special words of consecration, the wafer and the wine are, and this is a quote from their documents, truly, really, and substantially the body and blood together with the soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, and consequently, the whole Christ. That which was previously wine, was previously just a wafer or piece of bread, is substantially changed to become the body and blood, yes, even the spirit and divinity of Jesus Christ. Well, you can understand why the reformers in the time of the Reformation could not go along with this teaching. As they, as they discovered or rediscovered, you might say, God's word, as they began to read it, to read it closely, to read it deeply, they realized that this was, this could not be true. They recognized in that doctrine, which really introduced an endless succession of sacrifices of Jesus Christ, as it speaks about in in question and answer 80 of the Heidelberg Catechism. They recognized in that endless succession of sacrifices something that went very strongly against Hebrews 10 verse 12, which speaks about the once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He died once for sin and no more. He does not need to be re-sacrificed every week, every day, for the benefit of God's people. And also, if that, if that, if that wine is changed and that bread is changed, you can imagine what happened and what continues to happen in Roman Catholic churches today in what they call the veneration of the host. As, as they believe, as they sit there in the pews and as the mass is given, the body of Jesus Christ is right there before him. And so what do they do? They worship it. They worship it. They believe that they received grace from God by humbling themselves before that piece of bread. And so clearly, and that's what the reformers recognized, clearly this was idolatry. This was idolatry. And so they couldn't go along with it. Martin Luther, however, felt bound by Scripture to understand that somehow Christ was still truly present there because he had said, after all, this is my body. And, and not only spiritually, but he thought it must, must be present physically. And so Luther taught that the physical body of Christ was present mysteriously with the real bread of the sacrament. The Roman Catholics taught that it was changed. It was normal bread. It became the body. Martin Luther taught that it was both at the same time. The true body of Jesus Christ was fused with true bread. And that is what believers would partake in the sacrament.
While there's more interpretations of what this is my body can mean, and in response to those, radic- those, those views of the Roman Catholic theologians and of Luther, some of the reformers, most notably Zwingli, taught that the Lord's Supper was not anything like that, but that it was simply a memorial meal. Simply a memorial meal. And no more than a memorial meal. That is, what is a memorial meal? Well, it's something that Christians need to do because Christ commanded us to do. He said, this is my body take and eat, do this in remembrance of me. He had commanded that this was done. And so believers in obedience to Jesus Christ would partake of this meal. And more importantly, as they would do that, they would commemorate, they would they would call to mind, they would remember that Christ had died for them. That bread represented his death, that wine represented his death. But what they stressed in this was that Jesus Christ, in fact, was not present in any way at all, as they celebrated the supper together. And that the supper, yes, it did have benefit, but only insofar as it ever has benefit to call to mind the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. They taught that Jesus gave the sacrament so we wouldn't forget about his death. And so it would be a regular reminder that, yes, he had died for us. He had died for our sins. This became a predominant view about the Lord's Supper and is probably the predominant view among most Protestants today. So, we already have three differing views on what it means to feed on Jesus Christ in the Lord's Supper. Two of them which began with or reacted to the Roman Catholic teaching. And there's, there's a lot more to all of them. We could spend a lot of time looking at each of each of them. But to get to the root of the question, what does Jesus mean when he says, this is my body, take and eat. This is my blood, take and drink from it, all of you. We need to understand what Jesus would have meant. We need to go to scripture and understand what he meant there. Well, Martin Luther thought he was going to scripture. He he famously sat at this council in, in Marburg and, and he took a piece of chalk as they were talking back and forth and he wrote on the table, this is my body. And then anytime anyone ever mentioned to him and, and, and got him to clarify his views, how, did, how does it happen that it's bread and the body at the same time? He would just simply point at that chalk in the table and say, this is my body. That's what Jesus says. This is my body. We have to believe that. It is his body. Well, that's one way of understanding it, but the reality of how language works means that the word is doesn't always mean is in the same way. If I show you these flowers in front of me and say, these are flowers, or one of them, this is a flower, you'd say that's true. If I would take a picture of that flower and I would later show you that picture and say this is a flower, you wouldn't say that's not true. That's a picture. It's not a flower. No, we understand that we can say this is a flower and it refers to what is symbolized, what is shown in the picture, even though it's not a real physical flower. So that's just to show that different meanings of the word is are possible, but it doesn't necessarily get to the heart of what Jesus means. To get to the heart of what it means, 
we need to find ourselves in John chapter 6, when the Lord Jesus teaches what it means to eat his body and drink his blood. In John 6, Jesus makes one simple fact abundantly clear. To feed on the flesh of Christ, to feed on the blood of Christ, is to believe in him. It's to believe in him. As Jesus says himself at the very beginning of his interactions there in verse 29, they say, what must we do to do the works God requires? This is the theme of the whole talk. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And it comes out very clearly also in verse 35, where Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. To feed on Jesus Christ is to believe in him. And there are two things about him that we're called to believe. It's the same two elements that the, that the Heidelberg Catechism points to when it gives his answer. First, we need to believe in his atoning death for our sins. Jesus says in verse 47 of chapter 6 of John, I tell you the truth, he who believes in me has eternal life. To believe is to have eternal life. In verse 51, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. How did he give his flesh for the life of the world? He gave it in his atoning death on the cross. So we must believe in the atoning death of Jesus Christ. To eat his body is to believe that his very body was crucified for your sins. And Jesus makes that point clear also in the, in the institution of the supper. This is the bread given for forgiveness of sins. So it means to believe in his atoning death for your sins. It also means to believe in his life-giving and life-nourishing power that he has not only forgiven your sins, but that he also renews and restores and refreshes and nourishes your life. That too comes through very loud and clear in verse 6 of John. Look at, uh, sorry, chapter 6 of John. Look at verse 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and what? Gives life to the world. Verse 35, which we already read together. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. Through Christ's body and blood, you not only cross over from death to life, but you are nourished and strengthened and sustained in a, in a deeper and a more enriching life even now. As Christ continues to supply what you need through his spirit. Now some have said, in response to this teaching, that to eat the body and to drink the blood of Jesus Christ is to believe in him. They've said that John 6 actually has nothing to do with the Lord's Supper. He's not teaching this in the context of the Supper. 
so it doesn't have anything to do with the supper. But you realize that's a pretty hard position to hold. It's true that the Lord taught this about himself to his disciples before he instituted the supper, but that was his design. That was his point. In the Gospel of John, the Lord Jesus is always speaking to confound his hearers, to confuse those who won't believe in him. He makes it necessary to believe him at his word and to just trust in him. And if you won't do that, then his words make no sense to you. Here too, following this passage in John, in John 6, many of his disciples leave him. They say, this is too much. This teaching is too much for us. They cannot accept it. But when the 12 are challenged, they resolve to stay with Jesus Christ. It's clear, even what he says here, the ones whom the Father has given me are mine. I will I will hold on to them. And so he challenges them with this teaching and they resolve to stay with them. Well, fast forward to the Last Supper when Jesus speaks those words of institution and you can just imagine the light bulbs going off in the heads of the disciples. The dots that start connecting for them. Take this bread. Take this wine. Eat my body. Drink my blood. This is what he's referring to. Do this in remembrance of me. And as you do this, believe. Do this to the strengthening of your faith. Celebrate the supper and never cease communing with Jesus Christ by faith. So to feed on Christ is not to re-sacrifice his body. Nor is it some mysterious union between bread and body. Nor is it a mere calling to mind of what Jesus has done. Rather, to eat Christ's body and drink his blood as we do at the Lord's Supper is to believe in him and to be assured by his all-sufficient death. It truly is for the strengthening of our faith that Christ has given this supper. It is to be truly refreshed and nourished in the new life that we have in Jesus Christ. But that is not all that the Lord Jesus actually teaches in John 6. There is something you might say even deeper or more profound or more basic, fundamental going on here. He shows us that as we feed on him, more and more we are being united to him. As I mentioned, when Jesus gives this teaching, it's really too much for many of Jesus' disciples to accept. But Jesus does not pull back as he, as he tells them about what the, to eat his body and to drink his blood. And some of the disciples say, he doesn't reach out and say, no, 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 you're misunderstanding. It's just a memorial meal. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. No, he actually ups the ante of what's going on. And he says that to eat my body and to drink my blood is to unite yourself to me and to draw your life from me. Even, Jesus says, as I draw life from the Father. Look at verse 50, verses 56 through 59 of John 6. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. 
This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. And so in the Lord's Supper, through that strengthening of our faith as we feed on Christ, Christ is strengthening that bond of union that we have with him, that bond which is entirely foundational to the life that we have, the life that we have in Jesus Christ. Because that life that we have in Jesus Christ, that means everything for us. You don't get very far in the Bible trying to understand your relationship with Jesus Christ without running into your union with him, what it means to be in Christ, what it means to be united with him. It's completely essential, foundational to your salvation, to your relationship with the Father, to the presence of the Holy Spirit within you. This union is probably most succinctly referred to in the Bible in the words that Paul so often uses, two simple words that point to this profound reality for Christians that you are in Christ. In Christ. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, in, in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. He says in that same chapter, in Christ, you are righteous. You are counted as righteous before God even though you've done nothing but believe in Jesus Christ. He says in Ephesians 1, in Christ you are blessed, chosen, accepted, redeemed, forgiven, and sealed for eternal life. The Apostle John says in 1 John 5, in Christ you are given eternal life. We are baptized into Christ, Galatians 3. So that baptism is the outward symbol of that inner reality and that inner promise of union that we have with Christ in his death and resurrection. And this union with Christ is expressed in so many other metaphors as well. Metaphors that are referred to even in this, in, in question and answer 76 of the catechism. Christ is the groom. And his church is the bride. Christ is the head. And we are the body. Christ is the vine. And we are the branches. We are united with him. And from him we draw our life. And so in feeding on Christ, this union with him is strengthened more and more. As the catechism says. Yes, in the Lord's Supper, this union with Jesus Christ is fed. It's nourished. It's strengthened. It's improved. The Lord's Supper is not a mere memorial. It is one of Christ's given means of regularly, constantly, and effectively strengthening and tightening that bond that exists between us and Him. And so, to understand what it is to feed on Jesus Christ is to be strengthened in our faith. And to be strengthened in our faith is to be strengthened in our life with Jesus Christ. We must believe these things about the Lord's Supper. That God feeds our faith through it. That he nourishes our soul by it. That he unites us more and more to Christ himself. Lord's Supper does not have the power to do this in itself. You understand that. 
It is by faith that you feed on Jesus Christ. It is by faith. And then, so there is these two components of faith, right? Knowledge and confidence. We need to have this sure knowledge. If you don't understand nutrition, if you don't understand what food does and is, you're going to neglect it. And you very well are going to neglect your body because of it. If you don't understand what's going on in the Lord's Supper, you are going to neglect it. And the body is going to become neglected because of it. But when we understand, then our faith is fed. We must not only know, we must also trust. We must have confidence. We need to abide in Christ as we partake of the supper. Just as those words are always said, let's not, let's not focus our hearts and our minds on the bread and wine, but let's focus our hearts and our minds on Christ at the right hand of God where he is in the flesh. And so we need to abide in Christ. As we said, the supper does not do this automatically. If you don't partake of the Lord's Supper by faith, then you are not feeding on Christ. In fact, Paul says you are eating and drinking judgment upon yourself. But Christ has given the sacrament for the strengthening of our faith so that in partaking of it, we might abide not in the bread and wine, but in him. And yes, even that he might abide in us. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.